0: You're listening to The Digital Entrepreneur, the show for folks who want to discover smarter ways to create and sell profitable digital goods and services. This podcast is a production of Digital Commerce Institute, the place to be for digital entrepreneurs. DCI features an in-depth, ongoing instructional academy, plus a live education and networking summit where entrepreneurs from across the globe meet in person. For more information, go to rainmaker.fm slash That's rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce.
1: Hey there, everyone. Welcome to The Digital Entrepreneur. I am Brian Clark, founder and CEO of Rainmaker Digital. And today, as always, we have Jared Morris, VP of Marketing for Rainmaker Digital. And we also have our very own data ninja, (laughs) Lauren Thompson. Don't ever call yourself a ninja. We've talked about this. I can call you a ninja, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. This is a podcast. You have to talk. All right. Um, (laughs) So today uh, we're flipping things around a little bit to close out our series on uh, the elements of the modern website, and we're going to talk about testing. And instead of me rambling on about it, I've decided to flip the switch and let Jared and Lauren talk about testing, because as we uh, came out of our launch and build phase, uh, which really when we launched Digital Commerce Institute in the fall, that was the last piece of the puzzle. We don't plan on building anything brand new, launching something new. What we're doing now is shifting into optimize and grow phase. And a big part of that initiative that we knew we wanted to tackle as soon as we could, and it really was at the beginning of the year, was to move from tracking and testing when we thought it might be a good idea to a culture of tracking and testing. And there's a big difference there. Uh, A one-off test here or there uh, can give you valuable information, a process, a system, a culture that basically tracks and tests everything and then tries to make sense of the resulting data and apply that back into our own intuitive creativity. That's where we needed to go next. And so that was really what I tasked Jared and Lauren with. So who better to talk to about it than these two? So are you guys ready?
0: We are ready.
2: Yes. Yes, Ready. All Mm -hmm.
1: right. So I've got here. Some notes from you two, this catchy headline. I wonder where you got that from. Hmm, Five key <laughs> concepts to understand about tracking, <laughs> testing, and making decisions. Very nicely done. Jared, was that you? That was me, yes. Good but job, but
0: with Lauren's help.
1: Oh, with Lauren's help. Okay. Well, we, I, we know Lauren's, <laughs> she's the brains behind this, but, you know. She, well, you're, and- you're And're and a front man, you know, she's got to feed you the smart stuff
0: right. well, and and I do want to say this, Brian, is kind of just the the in to this conversation. You know, when we talk about data and testing, I think it's so important you just said to create a culture of testing, it's so important, I think, to have two things. Number one, you've got to have commitment from the top because if you weren't committed to this and to doing this, then something like this isn't really going to happen. And so I think you've really got to have, organizational commitment to this being important. And the second thing I think you've got to have is enthusiasm. And I think that's really what Lauren has brought is a real enthusiasm for the subject, for learning more, for figuring out where we can use it. And it's really helped and in, in just infused what we're doing with a lot more information and insight. And so I think as we talk about this, you know, this isn't listed here as one of the things we're going to talk about, but it's very important if you want to have this culture of testing, having that commitment from the top down and then individuals with enthusiasm for actually doing the work that it will take is really, really important.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Definitely and. uh agree you not only have my commitment, but I've been nerding out right along with you. So (laughs) I think we're all enthusiastic about it because it's just fascinating. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's fascinating when your intuition actually gets proven correct. And it's also just as fascinating when you're completely wrong, (laughs) you (laughs) know, and you just have to be open to being wrong because whichever way
2: makes you more money.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I mean, what blindly going along uh, with a losing strategy is, is not that smart in my book. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think the enthusiasm uh, is there as soon as people kind of get over their trepidation about it. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, people think, you know, split testing is complicated, but with the right tools, it's becoming easier and easier. Even I can do it when you let me, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yes. All right. So let's go through these five key concepts. What is number one? So number one
0: is starting now. And again, this is one of those that almost seems so simple, you don't want to say it, but it's really important. And it's similar to what we tell people on the showrunner with podcasting, who see that there are are people who've been podcasting since 2008. And so they feel uh, intimidated. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, the best time to start a podcast was, you know, back then, 2007, 2008. But the next best time is now. Same thing with the blog, and it's similar to you know think about if you haven't been working out or if you've gotten out of shape, you know sometimes you'll you'll think about it's like man I I don't I don't even want to get on the treadmill for the first time because I haven't been doing it for so long. Well, you can't think that way because you can take a positive step in that direction today to start moving forward in a better way, and I think it's the same thing with data. So you know, maybe you've had analytics on your site for five years, but you've never done anything with it. And now again, you get in there and you're intimidated because there's all this old data and you don't know what to do with it. Well, start today. Take a step today to understand something better or to set up just one simple test to get going because you're going to be a lot further along in six months if you take that first step today than if you continue to just lament the fact that you haven't started yet and continue to allow that to keep you from getting going. So that's, again, it's basic, but it's an important mental hurdle, I think, for some people to get over, that whatever you've done in the past, it's okay. Just start today moving forward in a better way.
2: Yeah, I just want to add to that. Even if you don't think that, you know, you really need the data right now or anything, or like now is not the best time to devote the energy to putting everything together, because yeah, it can be really time-consuming to get set up, Um, But the important thing to remember is that with data, having the historical data, having like three months of data, that's like that puts you way ahead already. Um, So it's always good to just go ahead and get it set up, even if you think, oh, well, you know, I need to devote more time to this right now or this. Just put the data in place. You'll be glad you did in a few months. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's good advice. So the next thing I want to talk about here is something I've seen over and over when a company decides, okay, we're going to embrace testing. Uh, We're doing this. And the first thing they then do is look for some turnkey off-the-shelf system or whatever that they're going to slap onto their particular business. Uh, Silly or not?
0: Well, I mean, I think the the number one thing that you have to realize when you're going to start doing this is you've got to understand what you're tracking and what data and what reports and what numbers are going to be important for you. And so, you know, I think back to my time when I was running Midwest Sports Fans five, six years ago, and all of our monetization was based just off of display ads. So for Midwest Sports Fans, the page view number was huge. And so just having Google Analytics, driving page views, that's how we were going to drive revenue because we weren't doing anything else with it. But, you know, you think about what we're doing now and and think about all of our properties. Page views are a nice number and they can tell us something but they don't, it doesn't tell us very much. We need to convert people onto an email list. We need people to start trials of the Rainmaker platform. And so you've really got to start with where you want to end up, what your business objectives are, what numbers drive those objectives, and then what's going to allow you to track that because the context is everything. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's why you really need to start thinking there, and that'll help tell you what you need then to be tracking and what tools will help you do that.
2: Definitely, and um, one thing when you start looking at that data, it's really useful to start breaking that down into different kinds of segments because you have just like a like one session number. You got x many sessions last month. That's that's great. But what does that actually mean? And so you start, okay, so maybe you start by looking at people who came from a certain email or people who landed on the home page or people who landed on another on a different page and looking at how their behavior um compares to behavior of people in other segments on the site. just kind of breaking that down and figuring out you know what those segments or those sessions mean will get you a lot more mileage out of your data
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's interesting. I I think page views are completely irrelevant to a mm-hmm. content marketing, you know driven business. Uh, and with the state of online advertising, they may become irrelevant to everyone. <laughs> but um, yeah. but there are certain key metrics that I think anyone who's doing uh, following along with this series, you know, uh, converting to email, that's key. You know, converting to customers uh, based on various uh, adaptive funnels that you create, the kind of stuff that we're, we're going through here with this series. These are all the things you have to not only see what approach works best, but then you've got to be able to tweak and optimize. And you can't do that blindly. You mm-hmm. don't just decide to change a word. You see what mm-hmm. word works better. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, what about tools? Do people get a little bit hung up on that. Uh, What's your advice about understanding uh, how to use this technology Mm -hmm. to, I guess, best effect?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is such an important one. And Lauren, this is actually, this is where I've learned a lot from you just in the time that we've been working Mm -hmm. together, especially this concept of, you know, your tools are telling you certain things, but there are also things that they are not telling you. And it's very, very important to understand this because you can be getting this number, Right? But if you don't know where this number is coming from and what data is coming in to give you this number, there could be giant glaring holes that mean that it's painting you an incomplete picture. Mm-hmm. And you know, so again, I've learned a lot from you in this sense and you've got a couple of good examples as far as this goes too, which are kind of help illustrate that.
2: Yeah, for sure. So one of the main things when you're looking at looking at website data, you really do want to focus on users, right? You don't really, it, I mean, it's nice to know how many sessions you have, how many page views, but really what you're looking for is what, when people get to your site, what are they doing? And one of the biggest limitations with Google Analytics, which is a super popular um, website analytics tool, is that the tracking is cookie-based, which is you know the, pretty much the best we can do right now. Um, but that means that each user, when you look at that user's number, it's only recognized with the exact same browser and device configuration as they were the first time. So, if you are on Firefox on one, go to our site one day, and then the next day you go on Safari. Google Analytics isn't going to know that that's that's you're the same person. So that's um, why it's really important to do things like there are a few things you can do their website like user ID tracking, but so. Whenever you look at that user number, if you don't have user ID tracking in place, it's likely overinflated. So, what my best suggestion with things like this is to you can't always fix these huge holes. Um, you kind of just have to be more aware that they exist. And as you're moving through the data, if you see something that indicates that you know, oh, look, we had so many more users this time. Well, it's okay. Maybe people are switching from their from their desktop to their phone to access our site because we started putting more podcasts on or something like that. And one of the other things that I just want to... want to touch on is that there are a lot of platforms that will give you proprietary metrics uh, that they don't really tell you how they came up with them, but they're like, this is the magical impressions, reach, um, and engagement number that you need to be paying attention to. And it's fantastic. It's like, okay, what, what does it mean? And if you, you only have that number and you don't really have anything to compare it with, then it doesn't really do anything to help your business. Um, I personally would never never rely on any metrics that I don't know how they got to be there, how they were counted. Mm-hmm.
0: So. And, and that, and, and I think what's important there is it doesn't necessarily mean that the metric itself is bad. It could be good, no. but for you to make an sure. informed decision on it, you have to know what it means. Mm-hmm. And so it's very yeah. important that you can wrap your arms around it, embrace it, understand what it means so you can use it to make a smart mm-hmm. decision.
2: Exactly. And a lot of those companies, you know, it's like a whole business secrets thing. And that's, that's fine. But, you know, if you can't, if you don't know what's behind it, then how do you know what that number's limitations are? How do you know what it's really getting at if you can't know how it's calculated?
1: Yeah, Mm, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so everyone's obsessed with big data, the the quantitative (laughs) side of things. Is there still room for qualitative data?
0: yes and you need it and that's i think you can fall into that mm-hmm. trap when you start talking about data and start start talking about testing that all you do is look at things from a numbers perspective and numbers can tell you a lot they should tell you a lot but that doesn't mean that asking questions having mm-hmm. actual conversations doesn't matter like you know we we started putting up uh, a survey on uh, the Rainmaker platform site to get some information on people when they left a certain page to find out why they were or were not doing something. And we've gotten some good insight from that. Now, that obviously gets boiled down into data, but it's not just tracking how someone comes and goes from a site. It's asking mm-hmm. them a the question. Brian, actually just, Fifteen minutes ago, you know, we got off the call and we were talking about reaching out to some people uh, to get a testimonial. And so, in that email that I sent out to a few folks, I just asked them, "Hey, you know, how 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 are things going in Digital Commerce Academy so far?" And I've already gotten three replies with people just telling me a little bit about their experience, and things they liked, some things that you know they wish that it had. And it's really good information, you know, because we're reaching out to our most active people. And so, are we going to jump and go do something with that? No. But it's the kind of information, hearing it from people who are clearly engaged and really using the product. Okay, now we take that, we combine that with quantitative data that we have about usage and different things, and now you really inform that intuition, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But I think you really need both. And if you just rely Mm -hmm. on one or just rely on the other, you've got an incomplete picture that you're, an incomplete information that you're making a decision with.
2: Definitely. Uh, I think one of the one of the major things when you're looking at data and you're looking at testing, um, the tests you can do are kind of limited to your perspective and what you can come up with. And so when you ask those open ended questions, you might be completely blindsided and say, oh, this is actually what's really important to our customer. You just never, you just are only now giving them the chance to speak up about it. Um, whereas if you had just decided to test things and you came up with a bullet point list of five things you wanted to test, you know, what's the likelihood that the thing that the customer wanted would actually be on that list. So it really does matter to get out there and talk to your customers and know your customers, because that's what's going to inform which tests you actually should run. Mm
1: -hmm. It's kind of amazing that I went a decade with (laughs) never, you know, doing surveys. (laughs) I I just really preferred to observe people in the wild, if you will, in comments, in uh, social media, in forums, all of that stuff. And it worked really well for us. And yet now that we've started doing this, now I'm still against um, multiple choice questions that aren't carefully <laughs> crafted because you can suggest mm-hmm. answers, right? Mm-hmm. But the yeah. open-ended question thing, I love it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. you just, it's unwieldy. It's not scalable to a certain degree, but that's where <laughs> power is, right? its <laughs> yeah. It's real people telling you real stuff and you can figure mm-hmm. things out from that. Like Jared said, one answer is not going to make you go act. But when you start seeing the same kind of pattern recognition that I would see out there in the wild, that's where the answers come from. Mm-hmm. So exactly. we've gotten to the point where we have, uh, you know, we have more customers at one hundred what, 70,000 now. Mm-hmm. We have more customers than some people have prospects. So we have to talk to them. And we made that shift um, starting a couple years ago. And it's really intensifying now. So, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree with you guys on that one. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, again, uh, we're shifting to a true data-driven company, um, and yet we got here on intuition and creativity, which really stems from knowing your market, knowing your audience, knowing who these people are and what their pain points are, and doing your best to try to help them with that. Is, you know are we compromising what got us here with this data approach?
0: No no, I mean I think we're we're just we're more we're informing it better, and it's like you said you know you've done so much off of intuition, and that's still important you know you've got to know your customer because ultimately you still have to make a decision it's not like we're turning the decision making over to the data. These are reports and you read the reports and you allow them to inform your decision, but it's really important with data that You know, it's like the reports that Lauren sends us, these are reports of past events, which we're then using to predict the future events as much Mm -hmm. as we can, but there's no guarantee. And so a lot can change from the time that the data was collected to when the decision that you're going to make is going to have its impact. And so there may be mm-hmm. different environmental factors that change or shifts that you've seen, things that happen, and so you know, okay, this worked with this data, but we've knows we know that this has changed, so let's tweak this, but this stays the same and and you move forward. That intuition and and that knowledge of what to do is still extremely important. And I think, you know, we yeah. we go back, we talk about that qualitative information that you gain, all of that goes into it and is combined into that gut, that instinct, that intuition that eventually helps tell you what the best decision is. But you do yourself a disservice mm-hmm. to close yourself off to the all the, the good information that you can get. And as long as it's good information, and we've kind of drawn a distinction between good and bad in here, as long as it's good information, then you'll be able to make a well-informed decision. But I don't think there's any any replacement for good intuition but intuition yeah. it's not just something you're born with or that you wake up with it's it's informed
1: it, creativity right, right? Exactly. and it's informing ourselves better exactly exactly,
2: exactly. Yeah, and that's why it's so important to look at your data as real events. I mean, sessions, what does sessions actually mean? You know, it means that your website was opened and viewed this number of times, you know? So when you start to break down the data into the concrete real world, as close as we can get, events that actually happened, that helps your intuition that much more. Um, So when you start to, when you start looking into some of your tools, you might get, you know, like, oh, well, what does this mean? You know, what does time on site mean? And it's, it's important to know what all of that, you know, how all of that is calculated, what all that means. So you can go forward and say, yes, okay, this is what my instinct was before we did this promotion or this um, campaign. And this, this is what we learned from the campaign. And so this is how I'm modifying my instinct to move forward. Um, I definitely think that it's, that's, that's the way forward. You know, you can't really just rely on the data or just rely on going off on your own. You have to be able to marry the two and have a feedback loop where you start a campaign or a promotion or a, just, you know, some sort of, um, some sort of event. And then you, you execute it and then you come back and say, okay, were those, were those presumptions we had at the beginning? Correct. You know, were those the right ones? And if not, then, you know, why? And if they were, then cool, how do we take that and move forward with it?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, from a very simple standpoint, when you do iterative content development, you're really looking at very simple data, social sharing, Mm -hmm. comments, just indications that it resonated. uh, And then you do more of that Mm -hmm. and less Mm -hmm. of the stuff that didn't get that kind of response. So it's really not that alien yeah. uh, to me. It's just better data. I mean, more yeah. sophisticated, right. predictive analytics, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the important part of intuition for me, I guess, is the exploration. Um, because if you just follow what the data says about what you've done in the past to a T, you're going to end up doing the same things over and over that work. And that's yeah. it going to end up not working. And in that's the end. so yep. key yeah. because
1: you have to try new stuff to see. If it's mm-hmm. going to work and if you're completely married to the data, you truly are non-creative in the <laughs> literal yeah. sense because you stop innovating. You stop moving forward. You know, yep. Great mm-hmm. answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Lauren, we we talked briefly about tools and I think, again, people get kind of hung up at this level. So we use the testing tools built into Rainmaker, mm-hmm. Google Analytics, and what else?
2: Um. As far as website data goes, uh, we use Google Tag Manager so I can easily implement things without bugging developers. If you so another, have some sort of...
1: An, another free yeah. tool from Google. Yes.
2: Okay. Um, yep. and My so point
1: being have, here that, you know, oh, you yeah. do need uh, the set of, of, of testing tools, but you don't need necessarily a fancy analytics package. If you know how to work with Google Analytics, yeah. it's all there for you. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then we also use Hotjar, which is what we've been doing our surveys with.
1: Oh, cool. Okay.
2: That's been working really well. They also have heat mapping, which is cool. (laughs)
1: Interesting. Yep. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Well, I think that covers uh, the five elements that we were all uh, agreed needed to be covered. Jared, what do we have today for the folks at home as a free offer?
0: We have the free membership at Digital Commerce Academy, which if you have not yet started, you really should get over there and get started today. And you can do that at rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce. That's where you can go get your free membership activated. And once you do that, you have access to a wealth of content, including free lessons in Brian's course on building an online training business the smart way, free lessons in Chris uh, Garrett and Tony Clark's course on marketing funnels as well as some case study webinars that we've done that you have access to. Uh, and so you really, you want to get in there, uh, start seeing everything that's available. Cause again, as soon as you register, it's free. Uh, and then you'll also get a newsletter from us every week, uh, which has very interesting and useful information in it as well,
1: which includes these very podcast episodes. Exactly. Right? Yes. So, <laughs> And also if you are actually listening over at iTunes, if you would before you head over to get your free registration if you could leave a rating or review for us over at itunes we would most appreciate that helps us out find new people in the itunes ecosystem and uh, we definitely appreciate any help you can give us on that. All right. Hey, two. actually,
0: Brian, real quick, by the way, we probably should let people know the reason why we have the URL rainmaker.fm slash digital commerce is because we're tracking conversions from this podcast episode. So instead of saying ah. digitalcommerce.com slash free or whatever it would be, we have that URL, which will then redirect you. And that way we can track mm-hmm. whether people are actually paying attention to it.
1: So. It's a little inside yep. baseball right there. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. The All right. Staff. Well, Jared, where are we going from here? We're we're done with our series. I guess we're gonna have to come up with some new topics.
0: <laughs> we are. I think I think this is where Lauren just takes over the show
1: and
0: <laughs> Yeah, Lauren. You know you don't yeah,
1: have that yeah. much to do, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just remaking the culture of the company. No right. it's not a big mm-hmm. deal. <laughs> All right, we will be back next week with a new episode, and we promise to come up with something good. Uh, Until then, take it easy, keep going. Jared, Lauren, get back to work. (laughs) Thank you, Brian.
2: Always a pleasure.